Hosea chapter 54. And um, make some adjustments on this mic because <clears throat> it's been a little bit um, well, I'll say that. There we go. It's been a little bit uh, strong here lately. And I don't want to be blowing you out whenever I get to really, really preaching. Amen. Does that sound okay? Does everybody hear that all right? Uh, if it's too loud, I'll try and make an adjustments as I go, go along. Uh, Isaiah chapter 54, and we're going to re read from verse 1. We're going to read verse 1 through verse 8. And uh, well, that's just terrible. My sloppy graphic, you can't see the first few words. I was thrown together. Um, listen, the Lord's been talking to me lately. Uh, and so if you're a guest here today, I'm, I'm so happy that you're here, and I do pray that my message ministers to you, but I, I'm going to preach to our church this morning. I don't always just singularly preach to our church family. I try to preach that everyone can hear, uh, but I specifically want to talk to our church family. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be addressing our church family. I just want to share with you what God is doing in me, putting on our church. I feel like where he's leading us, and um, I, I don't feel like one particular Vision Sunday is going to be enough, enough for that. So I really want to drive this home. So if you're a guest here today, we're glad that you're here. Um, and I do hope you get something out of the message. I hope it ministers to you. But we're going to read this. Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. And this is what I want to preach this morning, strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will, not, for you will forget the shame of your youth and not remember the approach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He has called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman, verse 6, like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you are refused, says your God. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. And I want to preach today under that title, Strengthen Your Stakes. Strengthen Your Stakes. I am so thankful and grateful to the Lord and all that he has done in my life. Can anybody testify to the fact that you have more blessings than you deserve in your life? God has done more for you in your life than you could really expect 
or even maybe even thought possible or want. And the reality of my life is that God has given me and given, giving, given and done in my life greater things than what I could have even imagined for my life. And what I mean by that is I spend a lot of time trying to figure out how my life should be and how it should uh, come together. But then it always seems like the Lord can kind of step into a plan, step into what you've decided for yourself, and he kind of changes things around. And what he has, even with uh, any of the pain or struggle that come with it, the sacrifices that are made, what God has is always better, comes out better than what I could have designed for my own life. And that is true. That is the kind of God that we serve. He is the God who takes and he shapes and he molds our life in such a way, even though sometimes it is painful, even though sometimes it is bruising and hurting, he takes and he removes things from our lives that should not be there, and then he places in our lives things that we do need. And only, only, only a great God can do that. Only a great God can do that. To take clay and fashion it into something that brings honor to him and that has been purified from inside to outside. You and I are not capable of doing that. We come up way short. We can try and do a lot of things with our life to improve it, to make it perfect as we would want it, uh, but we cannot do the work that God can do. And I'm so thankful for a God that we have that is like that. For all of us, when we find God, and really we don't find God, God finds us, but we use the term when we find God or when we come to God or when we make a decision to live for God, when God finds us, we are broke, busted, and disgusted. We're tired of life. Our life has broken us. We're disgusted with where we find ourselves, and we are busted at trying to fix the problems in our life. And in desperation, how many can remember the desperation that you had? Calling on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. I don't care what is going to happen in my life. Just save me. Save me from my sin. Save me from my poor choices. Save me from my torment. Save me from my tragedy. Save me from my trauma. Save me from my trouble. And we call on him, and he brings us to him, and he begins the work in our lives of taking broken things and healing them, mending them, making them right. And if you're broken this morning, I want you to understand, if you're troubled, if you have been traumatized, if, if you're living through tragedies of life and there are sins in your life, the Lord would take your tragedy and he would make it a triumph. He would take your sorrow and he would give you salvation. He would invite you to call on his name, Jesus turning to him in faith, repentance, and baptism into his name, being washed of your sins, cleansed, and giving you the promise, filling you with his spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. He would do that for you today in your life. For us that are a little bit further down the path, maybe a little bit further removed from that initial coming to the Lord or the Lord finding us, what happens is God works to mend and fix some things, and we get a lot of things in our lives that are 
that are fixed up, they're mended. We're, we're standing on more stable ground in our life than we've ever stood on before. But God still works on us. He still works on us. And he calls us to let go of some things in our lives, things that would hinder his will and his purpose in our life. If you've never experienced the promise that I mentioned earlier and you want it, I want to help you receive it. I do. We can talk about it. We can look at what the Bible, the Word of God says about his promises for your life. Every one of us come to him through the same experience and through the same faith. And then God begins to work on the things that are in our life that only he can remove. I'm talking about the deep things, the, the hidden things, the things that maybe you didn't even know were there until you hit a certain point in your life and you start to have this revelation, this epiphany that I didn't know that was in me. And, and you're like so many characters in the Bible that say, Lord, purify me, cleanse me, help me get that out of my life. And it's to that that I want to preach today. I want to talk about that today. The portion of scripture that we read in Isaiah chapter 54, in ancient times, to be barren was considered a curse. To be barren was a curse. And uh, we see this repeated over and over uh, throughout scripture, different characters that are barren and they're not highly regarded. And I'm so thankful to live in in modern times where uh, women are respected. <laughs> women then were not respected. You had to be married and you had to be producing children to be respected. Um, and that is not true today. Women were not respected and they were not regarded very highly or very valuable if they were not producing children. And we see this in the story of Leah and Rachel. Leah had many children. She was considered blessed while Rachel had no children until it almost became unbearable, and God blessed her with a child. The text of Isaiah is a metaphor for the people of God who would be fruitful, but they have not been fruitful. They would be producing children. They would be blessed, but they have not been. They've been in mourning. They've been longing. They've been desiring something deeper. They've been wanting to see a home full of children. The scripture is not saying that women should be having babies. It's a metaphor for what God is trying to do in his people. And I believe that I'm talking to a church family this morning that we have a deep longing to see more in 2022. I know that I carry in me that burden that I do not just want to be a church that congregates and be a church that comes together. I feel the presence of God right now that just comes together in fellowship, but to be a church that experiences deep moves of God and experiences 
the miracle-working God that he is and experiences lives delivered and people changed and sees our community shift because of the power that is moving in the place that God has chosen for us to congregate. That's what I feel. That is the burden that I have, and I believe that our church family has that burden as well. Not to be just an empty place of people gathering together, but to be a place of production where the kingdom of God is producing fruit in people's lives. This picture of a woman who has had desires, longing for children where there had been no children. Have you ever just wanted something so badly that you just would get sick? The thought that it was outside your grasp. I'm certain for many of us it, it may have been some season of longing in our life where we, we wanted to make the cut of some sports team, but we were just, just outside of considered good enough. I've been there. For others, it may have been just coming up short repeatedly at some trial or test or something you're trying to accomplish and you're left wanting. This is the image of the woman mourning, barren. But the Lord is getting ready to do something and to make a change. And so he says, you don't, you don't have the children yet. You don't have the full tent yet. You don't have everything that I'm promising you yet. But go ahead and you begin to sing. Begin to rejoice. Because it's about to happen. He doesn't just say just rejoice, but instead he says you enlarge the place of your tent, verse 2, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. And that's how it is with God sometimes. Sometimes God gives you a promise and it doesn't come to pass, but you have instead to make preparation. And there's this phase of preparation and praise where all you can do is prepare for the promise that God has given you and you praise God for what he's going to do, even though others walking by may say, why are they singing about the new baby? There is no baby. I hear no children. I hear no crying, no cooing, no laughing. But you're in this place of preparation and praise because God is getting ready to do what he said that he would do. And I feel like that's where we are as a church family. Listen to me. We're in the place of preparation and praise. And I feel like this year we need to get ready for what God is going to do. And so there's going to be some time of preparation. There's going to be some time of praise. There's going to be some time of planning, knowing God is about to do something great in our families and great in our church. He said prepare. Prepare for the capacity it's going to be filled. Don't spare, but prepare. Prepare for an increase. Enlarge the place. Stretch out the curtains. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. You see, the larger the tent, then the longer the cords have to be. And the longer the cords are, the stronger the stakes have to be driven down into the ground. 
You can't just use a two-inch stake for one of those family-sized tents. You have to get a longer stake. You have to get a longer cord. Because when the wind starts to blow and whenever things start to shift, if it's not strong, if it's not driven down deep, the cord and the tent sp uh, spike, the stake, is going to be stripped from the ground. If the stakes are too short, they're not deep enough, it can't withstand what's going to happen. It can't withstand the pressure on the outside, and it, neither, could it ex neither could it stand the pressure of what goes on on the inside. I like going camping. I have a fun time. Uh, I'm not a super outdoorsman. My dad wasn't much of one, but I have learned over the years to kind of navigate and, and go camping. And the worst thing, the worst position to be in in a camping situation is in a tent that's too small. It's terrible. It's terrible. So you always want to have the right size tent. You don't want to be sleeping with your shoulder up against the side of the tent and the person you're with be on the other side with their rear end poking up against the other side of the tent. Because guess what happens? You're both cold. That's what happens. You want to have enough space in there where you're not touching the sides of the tent. And so you have to make preparation for those things. If the stakes are too short, it can't stand what's going on on the inside. And it can't stand the pressure that's coming on the outside. So you have to be prepared with the right length of cord and the right depth of stake. Or... It could eventually be blown away, or it could just simply collapse on the people inside. If a tree is going to grow large branches that hold a great amount of fruit, that tree has to have a very thick trunk, and it has to have very deep roots. The amount that is produced is directly in correlation with how deep and strong the roots are, how stable the tree is. And that's true for our lives. If you're going to have a fruitful life, you've got to have deep roots. If this church is going to be fruitful, we have got to have deep roots. And we've got to be rooted not in just anything, but we have to be rooted in the right things. And let me tell you what is rooted in right things. It's not in entertainment, it's not in pleasure, and it's not in pacified living. It is being rooted in the Word of God, rooted in Jesus Christ, rooted in having a prayer life, rooting in things, being rooted in things that the world gives little attention to. That's what being rooted is. And if your life is going to be fruitful, you have to have deep roots. Many, many lives have been ruined by overextending, getting their branches of life out there too far until what the root system was not prepared to handle the weight of what was going on above the surface. It is a fundamental truth. Long ropes need strong stakes, and great fruitful trees need wide trunks and deep roots. And I feel like that's where we are as a church family. We need deep roots because God wants to do something that's going to take us having some great big branches. And there's going to be fruit on the end of those branches that only God can do and God can make happen. 
And if you're new to Branches Church, you may not be familiar with our focus. We grow so we can go. That's the whole focus of Branches Church. We grow as disciples so that we can go be witnesses. We grow in worship so that we can go with his presence. It shouldn't be a Sunday-only kind of church. I hope we're not. I hope we're growing beyond that. Grow in prayer so that we can go in power and demonstration just like the apostles did. The church was never meant to be this weak thing that goes out and gets pushed around Monday through Friday. That's not what the church is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a weekend event. The church is supposed to be strong and the church is supposed to walk in power. We grow in humility so that we can go in service to others. So we grow and we go. And the beginning of this year is going to be about growing ourselves. That's really what the focus is going to be. We want to deepen our roots in preparation for what God wants to do in us this year. And how many of us, we believe God is going to do some great things in 2022. I am believing that God is going to do some great things. Even if you don't believe for your own life or you don't believe for your own family, I am believing for you because I have faith in a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we should even ask or think. There's nothing that we've come up with that God cannot do. And I'm not preaching just name it and claim it. I'm preaching within the will of God. And it is the will of God that our lives be centered on Him be powerful and be anointed and have the power of God working in us according to our faith. So I'm expecting God to do some great things. But while I expect it, I also know that we must position ourselves for God to work. God does not just come along and bless your life. He's not the blessing fairy that's dancing around just touching people. That is not what God is. Everything God does is for his purpose, for his will, and for his way. And I know we could sit and say, well, that's, that's a very egocentrical God. That's, that's a God who's focused on, guess what? He's God. He's God. The Bible over and over does not say he saved you for you. It says he saved a people to himself. He made a bride for himself. Everything he does is for himself, for his will and his purpose and what he wants to see accomplished in this world. And if so if God has blessed your life, it's not just so you can walk around and say, look at the blessings I have. It's so that you can be a blessing to someone else. That's why God does it. God invests in our lives so that he can see a return on his investment. That's what God does. And whenever we understand that, all of a sudden it becomes a very different way of living our lives. We start to realize that any time that we have available, it's God's time, and I'm just a steward of it. Any finances that I have, they're God's finances. I'm just a steward of it. Any energy that I'm blessed to have, and how many of us thank God we have energy, right? I wish I had my six-year-old daughter's energy. But guess what? I'm a steward of the energy God gives me. I can only steward what he has allowed me to have. It's after all, the fullness of the earth, everything in it is his, including me and everything that I think I possess. And it changes fundamentally the way that we approach everything that we do because we recognize I'm just a steward of what God is allowing. 
And whenever you steward your life in that way, all of a sudden, God starts to pour more into you. Because he says, you know what, I can trust this person. They're not going to just fill their own bellies. You read through scripture, it talks about that, filling their own bellies. It talks about people doing things just for themselves. And God rebukes that. God despises that. But instead, he says, you know what, if I can trust them, I keep putting into them. And I'll tell you what is killing us in America. Our individualism is killing us. And our pursuit of possessions and things, it's killing us. Because we think anything that God sends our way is for us. When it's not. God expects fruitfulness. And if we're going to get positioned for God's work, and God to work in us, we need to deepen our, root, deepen our roots, and we need to lengthen our ropes, and we need to strengthen our stakes in order to contain what God is planning to do in our families and in our church. And listen, wherever God is present, fruit is brought forth. Think about that for a moment. Wherever God is present, fruit is brought forth. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives, it's only because we have the presence of God. Everything that comes, comes out of Him. You look at John, or not John, yeah, John. You look at John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Everything that you do, if you abide in me, produce much fruit. If you don't abide in me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Where God is, fruit is brought forth. And it's this reality that God has an expectation that we would produce for his kingdom. Jesus cursed a fig tree for not producing. In a way, he was saying, why take up good ground if you're not going to bring forth the fruit that I intended you to bring forth? Psalm chapter 1 kind of addresses this about what a godly person produces. It says in verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law his, he meditates day and night. Now check out verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit, its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. There's always a, a season of producing, and there's always a season of returning to God from the investment that he's made into our lives. That is what it is to be a righteous man and a righteous woman. It is to take what God is sowing into your life and figure out, God, what am I supposed to do with this for your purpose and your will? If I'm going to be a vessel of God, and be used as a vessel of God, then I have to purpose in my life that whatever way he wants to use me, he can use me. And the Bible in various places says it is according to your faith and according to the power that works in you. What does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. It means the problem is never with the power that's working in us. The problem is always in our faith. What does that mean? In other words, it's our ability to believe for it. 
It's our ability to trust God and believe that he can do in our lives what he says he wants to do. And that's what God would have for us. He would have for us to trust him so much that whenever doubt rises up, that we look doubt right in the face and say, my God can. My God can. Not in my ability, but in his ability, the power that is working in me. The problem is often a limitation of our own capacity of faith. And I believe that every one of us need to have our faith expand this year. Limited thinking about what God can do with us or in us or for our family or through us for someone else keeps us from being active in the kingdom of God. Listen, God is up to something. And if you want to be right in the middle of what God is doing, the question becomes, what are you going to do to prepare to be part of it? What are you going to do to be prepared for what God wants to do? How do we lengthen the cords and how do we drive deeper the stakes? Jeremiah 18, I believe, holds the key for us. Many of us are probably familiar with this scripture in Jeremiah chapter 18. It's the story of the potter's wheel. We read this, we often think about, man, what a, what a great thing. You know, the potter's working on the clay and uh, he makes it into another vessel when it gets messed up and all of this stuff. It says, then I went down to the potter's house. There he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. If you want your life to be molded and shaped by God, the first thing you have to do is you have to give your life into his hands. First thing you have to do is give your life into his hands. And I'm going to tell you, I've been in ministry since I was in my 20s, been preaching a long time, and if I can tell you that there's one thing that we struggle with in North America, and I would say that humanity probably struggles with, it is truly putting our hands in our lives into the hand of the master. Because I don't know about you, but I know in myself there's always this thing that raises up that says, I want to take back control. I want to control the outcome of this. I want to control what is happening here. I don't want to go through this pain, and I don't want to go through this process. I want to control it. But if you really want to be blessed of God and you really want God to work in your life, the first thing you have to do is you have to throw those restrictions to the side and you say, God, I will allow your hands on my life and you make me to what you want me to be. Amen. Trusting the hands of the potter. But you'll notice in that scripture it says the vessel that he made of clay was marred in his hands. The vessel was marred. We often think the way that the kingdom of God works is that we come to God with all of our problems, our junk, stuff we have in our life, right? Our brokenness, as I started out talking about. We present it to the Lord. And the Lord takes and does his thing and fashions it all up and fixes us. Then pats us on the bottom as we go out the door into the world to say, look how great Jesus is. But it's very disturbing to think about that the clay 
the vessel was marred, not by the world, not by some outside force, marred in the hand of the potter. What does that mean, to be marred in the hand of the potter? Some of us have probably seen this thing going around about church hurt and, and whatever else. I'm sure that there are people that get hurt in churches. But when God's working on your life, there are certain seasons where you're going to feel like God is wounding you. But it's not God wounding you. Because what happens in the fashioning of a vessel of clay is as the clay sits on the wheel and that potter works and he starts to build that vessel up and the walls are there and it's starting to look smooth and and, and something beautiful. You know what the turning process does is it slowly brings out things that shouldn't be in the clay. Things that are hidden, things that the potter did not even know was there. It could be a piece of sand. It could be a piece of very hardened clay that's, that's there that can't be reshaped and molded. And what happens is as he's running his hands over that vessel, that piece of sand or grit or whatever it is comes to the surface and then as it comes, it gets caught on his hand and then that piece starts to dig into the vessel he's made. And there's nothing the potter can do about it except for dig the piece of sand out, crush the vessel, and start again. What we experience sometimes in our life and our relationship with God is God actually removing something from our life that shouldn't be there. And then we wonder, why, God, would you crush us? And he crushes us in mercy and grace to fashion a new vessel because it pleases him. The only thing the potter could do was crush the vessel. That or just throw the vessel out and start again. But instead, he chooses to crush the vessel and start afresh. And if you're going to be positioned for God to do something great in 2022 in your life, you're going to have to be willing to allow God to crush you. Being crushed to be made into another vessel still gives glory to God. And it still improves your life. Grapes give up their sweetness only when they're crushed. Olives only give up their oil when they're broken. And there is something beautiful about being broken before God. We come in broken and God works on us. And then all of a sudden in that life relationship with God, we reach another point where something comes to the surface and God breaks us again and we're crushed. And he starts to dig some things out. And if we allow the process, he starts building us fresh and new. And something else may come to the surface. And then he crushes us again. And he builds us up. Being fashioned into a vessel that he plans to use is never a simple process. But here's the thing about being a vessel of God. <coughs> The vessel has no choice in what it becomes. And the vessel has no choice in how it is used. 
the potter determines that. The potter determines if it's going to be a cup, if it's going to be a saucer, if it's going to be a potted plant holder, if it's just going to hold trash in the corner and be a trash can and only be turned over, over a dump heap and thrown out. Clay has no choice. Romans 9 talks about vessels for honor and dishonor. And I would say the choice that we have really in submitting to God and giving our life to God is choosing whether we'll be fashioned into a vessel that is honorable or dishonorable. God is going to work this year. God is going to work on us to bring us, bring in our lives some things to the surface that need to be taken out. And that's what season we're in right now. We're going to deepen our stakes and we're going to lengthen our cords and we're going to prepare for what God wants to do and we're going to allow him to bring some things that we have repressed down out to the surface so that we can be vessels of honor that God can use to accomplish his will and purpose through this church and through this in this city and in our communities and he will crush us so that his purpose can be done and so that he can receive glory so that we can be something for his kingdom. And I would rather be a pauper in this world and a prince in his kingdom than to have the whole world given to me. I would rather do his will and his purpose in my life than anything else. Because there's a blessing in the kingdom of God Whenever you do something that's hidden, that's obscure, that no one else sees, those of you, I thank God for the people that clean this facility. When you come here and you're scrubbing toilets that other people just urinate on and ignore, I'm going to be honest and real right now. I want to say it like it really is. God sees that. God knows what you're doing. God knows that whenever somebody who's never been in Branches Church, they walk in and they go to the restroom and the toilet's clean. They don't ever think about it being clean, but it's a whole lot cleaner than the gas station down the road. God saw that you were doing that work for his kingdom because somebody's life, they come in, use the bathroom, see how terrible it is, they turn around and walk out and their life has never changed. It's negative for the kingdom of God. But whenever they come in and they feel at home, they feel welcomed. And God starts to work in their life and lead them to the promises he has for them. God saw that. God saw what your investment was. And he says, look at that. Look at what they're doing. There's a, there's a jewel in their crown. I'm getting back what I've invested in their life. And they're investing into the thing that's going to further the kingdom because you're reaching souls. I know we don't think of it that way. We think of, we think of just the church as the place we go and worship and we sing. I'm getting ready to end. The place we go worship and sing and we want our kids to grow up in and, and pray that you know one day and they're adults that they're serving God and worshiping God and living their life according to the values we want to put in them. That's the way we see it. But it's more than that. It's investing 
in the kingdom of God here on earth because the kingdom of heaven is waiting. Kingdom of heaven is where we're going to end up. And we're going to get there. We're going to rejoice for a millennia. We're going to celebrate. God's going to do great things. We'll know him by his scars. We will worship him. What a glorious day that will be. Right now, we endure being broken. We endure being crushed. We endure all of the things God does in our life so that he can get the greatest benefit out of us for his purpose and his glory. And I, you could stand with me. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in, in your life, what you're feeling coming into the second week, third week of January of a brand new year. I can tell you what I have a sense of. I have a sense that right now as a church family, we need to be deepening our stakes, lengthening our cords, getting prepared for what God is going to do. And some of that is going to be in him crushing us first, breaking our spirits. And in breaking our spirit, breaking and crushing us, it's deepening us closer to him. Because what happens in that moment, if you're a godly person, you go more to him prayer than you've ever done in your life. If you're a godly person, you turn more to the word of God than you've ever done in your life. Because God is preparing you. And all you can do is praise and preparation. So sing, sing, sing. Go to God in prayer. Prepare for what he's going to do. Prepare for not being barren any longer. Prepare, prepare. I wonder if we could pray and talk to the Lord for just a moment. Let him speak to you. God, I pray that this morning I have in some way conveyed what you've put on my heart, God, for this church family. God, I pray that your spirit would confirm and would talk to every person in their heart. God, that you're doing a work right now and that there's something, a part that they need to play and you want to prepare them for that role. It's going to take some moving some things out of their life. It's going to take trusting your hands. It's going to take leaning into you and be prepared, God, for the promises that are to come. But we're in that in-between place, Lord, where we've been barren, we've been trying, but we're not seeing it come to pass and we're waiting and it seems like it's never going to happen, but you're saying by your spirit, just prepare. Prepare and start to praise. Get ready for what I'm going to do because I'm about to make it happen. God, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. They're going to begin to sing and worship the Lord. I wonder if you'd just take a moment, talk to him, let the Spirit of God speak to you and minister to you. However he would have his way, Lord, we